Welcome back to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening today. This is your host, Amos Medford. And for those of you who listen each and every week, you'll notice that I once again have a scratchy throat. But anyway, um, I'll get through the intro and I appreciate y'all tuning in today. Thanks so much for listening and following along. Uh, Today I'm joined by Chris Chain, uh, My Season Report. Really interesting episode. Uh, Chris had has done a lot of work uh, to compile uh, information to help hunters uh, going out uh, to know what's in season and what's not, and that can be super helpful. Um, we talk about that with some uh, predator type hunting and uh, things like that. You know, if you're out there and you see something, um, can you can you take a shot or not? You know, and uh, he's really uh, compiled some information, uh, well, a ton of information help stream streamline that for you so i'll let uh, chris explain that in the episode uh you can also check out his website i believe it's seasonreport.com that'll be in the show notes as well so appreciate everyone listening and and tuning in and i hope you've had a good uh, weekend maybe you've got some habitat work in or uh, just taking it easy um we uh hope it's going well for you i do want to mention today's episode is brought to you by anabolic grow Uh, They've done some great research. You can hear about it in episode 26 that I did with uh, Todd Karen, uh, who's with them. So the simple simple way to put it is uh, Anabolic Grows products make for higher yields, better nutritional content, and maximized habitat for the wildlife that's utilizing your property. So whether you're doing just some half acre or quarter acre food plots um, somewhere on a small spot, or if you've got dozens of acres, you know, on a full-size farm, uh, you'll want to maximize your work as you're getting ready for deer season. So Anabolic Grow helps you do just that. Uh, be sure to use Wannabe Hunting 10, save a few bucks on your order, and uh, we appreciate them supporting the show and want to uh, support them back. So thanks to Anabolic Grow. With that said, let's jump in to this episode with Chris Chain of My Season Report. Hello. Hey. Hey. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. Busy. Sounds like we're both busy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That can be a good thing, though. So, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, you sound great. Am I coming through well? Uh, yeah, you're coming through pretty good. Are you um, Are you at, like, a computer or just on your phone, or how's it? On my phone with some headphones. Okay. Yeah. Shouldn't be a problem. I was just going to mention... Um, that sometimes if your phone goes to like an auto lock screen, that'll mm-hmm. cut, that'll cut your audio. Um, oh, okay. So I have had that happen with guests before, but um, some some folks change their setting or whatever to like not turn the screen off. Or um, I sit here the whole time like fiddling with the screen on mine. So um, either way is is good, but. Uh, but that might be something that would cut the audio, like if your phone uh, like goes to a lock screen. It actually might. Okay, I was gonna say it actually might have already done that. Is that what happened? What's that? Did you did your phone maybe go to a lock screen or something? Uh, no, but it probably turned off as I was going to turn the lock screen off. To do that, so, yeah. 
<laughs> so there you go. But should be, should be good to go now. I've got you back. So cool. But yeah, you sound good. So all right. I do almost all of it on my phone. Um, not that I, not that I'm opposed to getting, um, you know, a nice mic and everything like that. But that's uh. That's well, you sound better than some uh, mics I've talked with. So there's that. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I know I've talked to guys that have full equipment and everything, and. I've been really quiet or they've been super quiet and by all accounts, they have all the gear you could want. So I don't know what the deal is, you know, sometimes. I mean, it's kind of like having the, uh, the best bow and just not having it tuned. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is true. You do have to, you do still have to set all that up and tune it up. So <laughs> now I just stepped outside and it's pretty windy. Is this going to be a problem or are we good? Um, I can hear the wind. But I don't think it's a problem. I mean, I've talked to guys who've been outside before. I mean, I'm not. Um, I'm not going to stress over it. All right. I think I think we're good then. Okay. Okay. I'll let you know. Like, if I start to, you know, not be able to understand or hear or something, you know, I'll try to give you a heads up. But all right. Cool, man. Well, um, I'm excited to, uh, you know, kind of learn more about what you've got going on. I mean, I've been to the website and everything, so. Excited to kind of get a rundown of uh, what you offer, and um, you know, I've definitely been one to uh, quadruple check season dates and zones. Yeah. And so, sounds like uh, sounds like a pretty compelling, uh, you know, uh, pain point, I guess, to uh, to help solve. So. No, I like the way you put that. I, I've described it as like a, a friction point, but I like it. It is a pain point where it almost it's easy to develop an OCD about it. Right. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to kind of go ahead and jump in. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna, um, you know, stop and cut in, but you know, that kind of, that's kind of a good spot to start. Um, and the edit will come out fine, but you know, it's kind of a pain point to figure out, um, season dates and depending on what species you're hunting and where you live, you know, some States, do stuff by counties some do by zones some are statewide um you know <laughs> that's kind of where my season report comes in is is that right chris yeah no you, you nailed it uh yeah so it started as uh, seasonreport.com and uh you know on instagram and facebook it's at my season report but you you nailed it it's um it's my attempt at trying to solve that problem when you're in the field and you see an animal come out and you're like, Oh, I know I have a tag for that, but I didn't think about is today, is it in season? You can quickly pull it up. Or if you're loading up the truck for the, the trip to the cabin or wherever you, you go, uh, you go hunting with the buddies, just check it real quick. Everything that you care about is instantly brought to you, uh, with, with one click and, I know I've personally got a duck that way because I didn't realize that there was a an early season duck split. I was like, oh, well, all right, I'll go ahead and do that. And then sure enough, I uh, got on some ducks. And, you know, there's I'm, I'm still learning ways that this is useful. Uh, I, you know, I, I started by making the planning of it much simpler, but I'm constantly discovering new ways in the field that it's uh, extremely useful. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you said it started as a website, but now it's, is it like an, an app, basically? So it is uh, seasonreport.com. It's a website, but it's 
the app is in motion, we'll say. Okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, not to jump ahead. That's cool, man. Um, and, you know, I think almost almost everybody who's been hunting, you know, more than a couple of times has had a situation like that, um, you know, where like a predator-type animal steps out or something along those lines. And first inclination would be to take it, but in the back of your mind, it's like, well, is there a season for that? And if so, is this it? And, you know, things along those lines. Yeah, I mean, I, I hunt in Virginia, and the two counties I mostly hunt at have different season dates for deer, bear, turkey, everything. And so it's just, all right, well, I, I'm free this weekend. Cool. Uh, I want to go hunting. All right, well, if I travel out there, it's going to be not season or it's not season here and you got to travel out there and so in the fall i just found myself looking at all that stuff constantly yeah no doubt and um i hunted out of state for the first time last year um interestingly with my brother who lives in virginia and um i remember looking up the season dates and everything and it it was kind of crazy for me you know i was because I wasn't used to the county by county thing. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, we were count- we were hunting in the county over from where he lives. Um, you know, I'm not giving away any public land spot there, <laughs> that, but we were in Amherst County. And, um, you know, I'm just like, I don't even know. And then we ended up in a spot early one morning. It was still dark. And, uh, you know, there's a there's a turkey making some noise behind us. He's like, I'm pretty sure you can... You can take a turkey with the thing and i'm like i don't know it it didn't come by us we didn't have to make that decision but you know it was like there were some questions like that that definitely popped up in my mind you know even in in a limited uh circumstance like that yeah and i mean there's there's also non-hunting ways that it it comes up i was in the mountains and i heard dogs running bear and we actually had a a bear with her three cubs roll right up on us. I mean, we saw so many bear inside of a day and they were all being chased by hounds. And so after it happened a few times, you know, we started getting annoyed. Like, what is going on? Are these guys being irresponsible? What's going on? But then you look it up and, oh no, it's, it's bear training season. All right, cool. No, I mean, they're doing what they're doing. And uh, <laughs> it's, you know, easy to, to get all bent out of shape, but, you know, quickly, easily looked up that regulation. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a million things. And then out, out of state, kind of like you were mentioning going somewhere else, you know, I have family down in Louisiana and Tennessee. And so hunting is an opportunity, is an option there as well. And so it's an, you know, if you're juggling three different States, it's much easier to view it on the seasonreport.com dashboard where you can save exactly what you care about. And that info is all accessible within one click. You know, that was my goal. Just, I wanted that information that you were trying to get really quickly, just save you all those steps of Googling and sifting through ads and scrolling through a PDF and all that stuff. Right. And I don't know if anyone else has had this trouble, but during that process and looking into some other options, um, you know, for hunting out of state, um, there's some like questionable looking sites. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. don't know if it's like a state with an old school website or like a scam site or <laughs> something, you know, like, so no, you're hard to find, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, they're the state fish and wildlife agencies do a great job, right? They, they are essential, but 
they're cash strapped. And so if you have, you know, good people that you're trying to give a living wage to do the important field work and you have a culvert washout and you got to reinstitute that road or you have to do a population study over here, you know, that if a, if an old school website works and it kind of just gets the information out, even if it's clunky, I can see how that would be put low on the priority list. And, uh, you know, that's just another one of those, those problems I'm trying to turn into a, a uniform platform. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And then another thing um, that I saw mentioned on there is uh, like some foraging type information. Now, the first thing that comes up there is uh, mushrooms, which personally, full disclosure, I'm not big on mushrooms, but I know a lot of people go really crazy for uh, uh, morels or something like that in the in the spring. Absolutely. You know, thing that you kind of list like seasons or... Uh, I don't know if you call that uh, ripe or harvesting time or, or what. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, it began with hunting and, you know, this is still very much hunting forward, but I, it's kind of matured into what I'm starting to call the hunter's almanac, where it is if, you know, hunters by and large are interested in what's growing in the woods. Uh, the vast majority of hunters I've ever known in my life all have a garden at home. And so jumping into all the different food types that you could get with your own hands felt like a very natural next jump. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And if, um, if you want or can educate me on some of that, when, you, when people say foraging, like I said, like I immediately go to mushrooms and you know, that's what you see people post. Does that like go into other things? I guess, are there like, I don't know, wild nuts or something else. Yeah, exactly. No, I have uh, mushrooms. I, I kept it to the ones that are relatively, you know, I, I have disclaimers and stuff on there. You know, you have to make sure you're identifying everything correctly. Uh, right. But, you know, I put the, I try to keep it to the ones that were pretty unique and hard to misidentify. Uh, and even still for those mushrooms, I have little tips on how to identify and links to really good resources that go into much more detail than, than I want to, because I'm, I'm really just trying to get those dates and numbers and locations. And, um, you know, there's fruit. I mean, up Northeast, I was seeing cherries in the database. I was, uh, uh there's pawpaw, which is a, a North American kind of, uh, tropical plant. It's kind of like a banana custardy, hmm. uh, mango. Uh, there's raspberries, blackberries. I mean, you name it, there's a whole lot of stuff that you can find out in the woods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, down here in Florida, I've, I've certainly seen, you know, my share of blackberries. And uh, one place I hunt even has kind of like a wild orange uh, orchard, which those are pretty sour. But, you know, it's still pretty cool. That Was that the uh, the Satsuma? Um, I'm not even 100% sure if that's what they are. I, I uh, was talking on another podcast and I started talking about Satsumas and halfway through I realized I actually don't really know a lot about this because the, the host was uh, was schooling <laughs> me. And so I had to look it up and because I have it as uh, forageable, but it's originally a, uh, I believe it's a Japanese uh, variety of orange that they brought over and then a lot of it escaped. And so it's, it crosses that line between you could grow it in your garden or it grows wild because it kind of favors that location. Okay. Well, that's, that's kind of cool. I, I'll have to do more research uh, specifically. Um, there, 
I can tell you these are very sour, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you should be able to find some pawpaw and maybe even some muscadine grapes. Uh, you know, those are really popular in the Gulf region. Yep. Yep. I used to live a little further west, in fact, when I was real young, and we had uh, we had muscadine grapes. And, and I, liked, I liked them when I was a kid. I haven't, <laughs> but that's pretty cool. <clears throat> find out there Excuse you know that oh you're good <laughs> even beyond you know just the just the hunting stuff but um you know kind of to backtrack um if you don't mind you know maybe kind of tell how you got into hunting or you know whether you grew up or or whatever kind of got you into into the the hunting type thing yeah i grew up in colorado in an idyllic location, um, and that's about as much as I'm going to go into on the, uh, on the that specifics of it. But it was this beautiful spot nestled up into the uh, Singer de Cristos, and surrounded with nothing but public land. It was it was awesome, and it's like all the trailheads were our own because nobody went there. Now I've I'm actually going there next week, and I've heard that the trailheads are quite popular, but um. No, I, I grew up out there going with my dad, deer hunting, and then we moved down south. And it's just for the, for the lack of public land, I just kind of got out of it because it seemed so much more difficult to find a spot and you had to pay money. And, you know, then you're, you're stuck hanging out with people that may or may not be fun to hang out with, all that kind of stuff, right? And so just kind of got out of it. And then in Virginia, I moved here got back in the mountains, started hiking again, started thinking about hunting. And it was one of those perfect opportunity situations where a friend offered me to hunt on their property just as I was seriously looking up public land. And then it was just, uh, it was off to the races. And I've been, I've been hunting for, I'd say five years now, uh, every year and been fortunate enough to, to hardly buy any meat from the store in that time. That's fantastic. That's great. That's my goal. <laughs> oh, it's it's an awesome feeling. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, there, I'm looking straight out my truck window, and there's a hen turkey about to walk across the parking lot to me. Oh yeah, I didn't see any turkey this this spring season, and now I've already seen a dozen since then. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's crazy, isn't it? That's how it oh, goes. Oh yeah. You know, go out in the woods to hunt them, and you got camo and calls and everything. And you sit in the parking lot at work, and there you go. Yep. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's cool. I've only been hunting about, speaking of that timeline, about five years. Um, okay. Myself. So, and here in Florida, that's, you know, you're talking about Colorado. Um, the funny thing is, with the podcast and getting into hunting, I've always been interested in hunting, I guess you'd say, or not always, but for a long time, even though no one in my family hunted. And I watched a lot of like Hushin videos, which <laughs> most people are going to be very familiar with. Yeah. You uh, watch any hunting on YouTube or whatever, but, and it was like inspiring, you know, to me to like, man, you can, you can do some cool stuff. Oh, uh, for sure. But with that said, um, you know, I started like, Oh, this is awesome. Public land, this and that. I'm going to look this stuff up. And then like, I look it up and around me, you know, there's not hundreds of thousands of acres, you know, uh, or whatever, you know, 
right around the house, you know. I mean, it's tough in Florida. I'm not. I'm not saying there's not, but in comparison to the Western states, it is a totally different ball game. Um, oh, for sure. I grew up. Or <clears throat> I lived in Louisiana for a while, and uh, for a good while. And same thing. It's just, yeah. There's public land, but you know, the, some of the public land that's available is literally where they put. Oh, what is that famous? Uh, that famous prison, Angola. They put a, a prison out in the middle of the bayous because they were confident if anybody escaped, you know, the bayou would take care of them. So it's that kind of land where right. you, if you like, you can't, you just can't go in there on a, on a Friday night. You got to like game plan it, have some backup gear for something that breaks, you know, just the barrier to entry is so much higher. Yeah. It's, it's definitely different. And I'm in North Florida, so it's different than South Florida. Like, you know, there's some of those places that, remind me of kind of what you're saying there where it's like you know there are no uh there are no dry paths to stands or (laughs) or whatever but um it it is interesting when you look at it that way but the good thing is there are some resources out there um you know with kind of what you're doing being one of them that can help direct you in the right way and if you have some help like that or if you ask the right questions long enough you know you can find you can find some stuff, most likely. No yeah, and that's kind of my uh, my goal with this is, you know, I, I've had some people say that I should make the price point very high, but I I think anybody that's interested in dropping a lot of money, they're going to drop a tremendous amount of money, right? I'm, I'm trying to make something for kind of the everyday hunter, the person getting into it, uh, decrease that barrier to entry so we can get more people involved and in, in caring about protecting it. Yeah, you know, and it's crazy because I'm not against, um, I'm certainly not against leases and things like that. I have a great situation where I have permission on a lease, but, um, you know, I see ads and stuff for leases and it's like, it's not like an inordinate amount of acreage or whatever. And it's like only, you know, 6,000 a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it if you can. That's great. But it's like, who are these people? <laughs> well, I think that's what's uh, beautiful about what Doug Duran's doing with his sharing the land initiative. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's a new concept where he's trying to bring together hunters that don't have private land and want to hunt, and specifically people in th- those types of areas where there's not a lot of um, public land available. But then you have all these landowners that might have legitimate uh, things that need done that they just need extra hands to help out with. And so it's a, it's a way to make those two parties that would otherwise never talk to one another, talk to one another. The hunter gets to help out a landowner and with whatever they, they need help with and in exchange for hunting in the fall. I think those types of thought, those types of platforms are really going to help get more people involved and, and drive more license sales. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause you know, I mean, uh, most, most hunt people that hunt that I know, um, would be more than willing to do something like that. And to the, to the budget side of things, you know, you'd be willing to invest a, a few hours or a few days or whatever it may come out to throughout the year. Um, you know, you'd be more than willing to do that as opposed to dropping thousands and thousands of dollars on, on a, on a lease type of situation. Oh, absolutely. And you might have somebody who just can't do the money, but they might be one of the most skilled people to fix a problem that you have. 
Yeah, exactly. And beyond that, um, you know, I said earlier, I'm not against leases or anything. You may have a, a lease and it may be six hours away and you might be more than happy to pick up a few properties in between there, you know? So there's oh, all for sure. Or that could sure. be, that could be cool. But you know, I was uh, thinking back to something you said and it, it cracked me up because you said you started down in Florida and now you're thinking about all the other possibilities like out West and all the different adventures you can go on. And I, I think I might be in a, in an inverse direction from you where I've, I enjoy like hiking out West. I love it. I've never hunted out out West as an adult, which I'm sure once I, once I do go on an elk hunt in Idaho, I'm sure I'll change my tune. But I have been doing a lot of the mountains here in Virginia and I'm, I'm finding that I love the, the tighter, more wooded areas, spot and stock versus those opportunities. Whenever I find a deer in a field that I have, you know, I have to figure out how to get 600 yards down the road uh, quietly. I don't know. I, I'm just enjoying those tight corridors and being forced to read sign a lot more that the South and the East provide. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how different it can be across the country. And um, I recently had um, Jacob Coons on and he was talking about Eastern elk hunting and, you know, Virginia had their first ever yep. you know, elk uh, tag draw this year. And uh, so there's some interesting things in like Pennsylvania and Kentucky and places you don't think about elk hunting, but you know, you can be in, you know, basically the Appalachian mountains hunting elk. So there's some oh, pretty... man, that's the wild thing about building the database that I did. Cause I, I get to see firsthand all these different things. So like Pennsylvania has got good opportunity. Uh, you know, I did not draw the Virginia tag this year, but I certainly put in for it. Right. Um, Kentucky. I mean, even places like the Dakotas and I think even, even plain states that you wouldn't ever think about elk. Now they might only have like one or two tags, but there's still an opportunity there, which I never knew about. Yeah. Same here. And I, I know I talked to some guys um, with the elevate stand company and uh, they killed elk in Kansas, you know, which, yeah, I mean, to me that's Western, but <laughs> you know, compared to just thinking about New Mexico, Colorado and Utah and Nevada and all that, you know, no, a lot closer. No, that's completely. I mean, it is closer. It's completely. It baff, it, it baffles my mind, honestly, because uh, you know, I, it wasn't rare to wake up and have an elk herd in our front yard when I grew up in Colorado, right. and so it's just. I I grew up with elk in this very mountainous environment, and then they reintroduced it here in the Appalachians, and it's they're not the Rockies, but it's it's very mountainous, and you have all these hollers and stuff. To think about an elk in Kansas, Kansas is just uh, hard to wrap my head around. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even think, but there's some opportunities out there. And uh, talking about Virginia, I've also had uh, Nathan Killen on, and he's um, you know big big into traditional archery, and uh, he does some amazing stuff in the mountains up there with a traditional bow, um, kind of like you're saying, just you know, in the rough spots, you know, that people don't think about when they think of Eastern hunting or Southeastern hunting, but, um, it's pretty amazing. The opportunities that are there, you know, the deer density is lower, but that doesn't mean it can't be an awesome hunt. Or it might a, be lower, but it's not, it's not destitute. I mean, they're everywhere up here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I remember hearing that, you know, on some podcast or something like that. And, you know, where my brother lives in Virginia, there's like, they're trying to get people to do, you know, suburban tag, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, they're everywhere. I believe it. Kind of interesting, you know, which I know the, you know, the uh, topography and stuff like that can change pretty quick getting into the, the more mountainous areas, but it's still pretty amazing. What I really like about uh, the haulers out here is you can stand in the right spot. And if you are at like a nice choke point where a lot of haulers feed into, you can almost hear everything that's going on in every direction. It's like you're sitting in one of those uh, whisper dishes that you played with as a kid. And you can just hear the faintest everything in every direction. And there's there's hardcore directionality to it. So it's like, uh, I mean, I've... I've tracked turkey that way where I just hear this bustle and I see them, but I scare them. And then I go down to this choke point. And I'm like, all right, well, they're in that part right there. And then wait enough time. All right. They've crossed over the ridge. It's, it's really cool out here that and I don't think you get that. You don't get it out West because everything is so large. Uh, but East, it's that nice mix between like mountains and flatlands. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting stuff. And, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty flat here in Florida, but, um, you know, that's, that's kind of cool how you can hear, hear stuff like that in different directions. I don't think I've ever heard that exact, uh, you know, description, but it makes sense. Man, uh, I, I want to get down in, into some of your, your swampy areas though. I think that'd be a blast. Yeah. Yeah. It can be, it can be pretty cool. I mean, where I hunt is not super, I, I don't call it swamp at all. I mean, people from other places would probably look at some of the area and say, yeah, that is pretty swampy. <laughs> um, you know, there, there are definitely some areas where it is, it's pretty wild, you know, um, what they, what they have down here as far as the alligators and snakes and everything that, uh, that you can get into real quick. So. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've been, uh, mud riding on a trail with family down in Louisiana and see a, uh, copperhead or, a water moxie. Yeah, it's just it's another world down there in, <laughs> around the Gulf. Yeah, yeah, it really is wild. And um, you know, when I was a kid, like I said, I lived a little further west, and we lived um, on what's called Lake Seminole, and it's a very for a lake. I would call it very swampy. I would actually just call it a swamp, but um, they call it a lake. So, but you know, I I saw alligators. You know, before I when I was a little kid and snakes and it's just, uh, it's, it is a different world. There's no doubt about that. It's very unique, but, uh, <clears throat> it's pretty crazy what you can get into. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, the alligator and do you have wild boar there as well? I know I have family in the Western Gulf that have those problems, but are they problematic in uh, Northern Florida? Yes. There are a lot of wild boar around here. It is interesting. There's a pretty large property that I hunt um, that has almost none. Um, but the surrounding area, there's plenty, plenty of pigs around here. Yeah, that's a, that is a intense swamp hunt, too, because whenever you have been wading through the muck and then all of a sudden you find one of their bedding spots and it just smells horrible. Like, oh, I'm on them. Oh, no, I'm... I'm really on them and they're probably on me too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, 
I've, I haven't really, I've never really done like the, the pig hunting, but that's on very high on my list of things to try. So it's, um, so I've never, I mean, I've gone hunting unsuccessfully for them, but I have uh, trapped one and I think I would prefer hunting it. I don't know if you've, I don't, have you ever trapped anything? No, not really. Not to speak of. Not to not to bash or anything. I just think it was a little different than I anticipated personally. Uh, especially like feeding them out for a day or two. I was like, uh, I, I like hunting where it's quick and clean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know in some areas it seems like they have so much of an overpopulation that they like need to do that a lot or whatever. Like depending on the property. And this but- was the case there just to get rid of them but i don't think that would be enjoyable like, oh no he was this uh this property they were i mean they were getting if i remember correctly like dozens a month oh uh, it was just it was overrunning everything and they, it seems like the numbers have gone down but i gotta say the meat on those things is incredible nice that's good to hear for sure oh yeah i mean i heard a lot of whole you know everybody has some story about how it's bad or turned rancid or anything like that. Mine was phenomenal. The only thing I didn't like was like the kind of the, the stomach meat, uh, that Mm -hmm. area. It just, it had such a high fat content. It started tasting weird. I I wasn't a fan of the fat, but the meat itself tasted like a brisket, honestly. Wow. That's, that's encouraging for sure. Oh yeah. Um, did you get like, um, hams cut and like or do it yourself or whatever and like bacon and all that or like how did you uh i did a little bit of everything i i do all that myself um it's my my background is uh medical science and so uh when you've uh when you've done a lot of muscle removals it just is very natural on a larger animal but um so i did some hams I did some bacon, but that gets where I'm talking about where I didn't really like it. Like some of the bacon I made just, I mean, I did it all right, but that, that flavor that I didn't like in a few different cuts was all the same and it was all just very fatty. We took a piece of fat off and rendered it a little bit too. And you could smell that funk was in the fat. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I'd probably skip over that one then. (laughs) That's cool though. Yeah, that's that's something that would be really interesting to me is is honestly for you know, for meat purposes <laughs> on the on the hogs for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think the challenge there is just uh they're so tough like getting them cleaned quick enough in that hot temperature. Yeah. Yeah, I've thought about that too, you know, you know like I was thinking oh that would be a good off-season hunt. Um you know, we're already in the 90s here, so Yeah. Um, man, that would, that would definitely be something very close in the back of my mind on a hunt like that. Like we need to get this thing back, <laughs> recovered and, and cleaned like ASAP. Oh yeah. Yeah. The one that I got, uh, I think we, we got on it really quickly after we put it down and, uh, I mean, instantly started working on it, but I think it took us about an hour with two or three people. Uh, breaking it down, and then it just it smells like it's going bad so much faster than a deer. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. That's pretty cool. Um, what? Um, 
you know, of all the animals that you've had the opportunity to harvest, what is or has been your favorite cook, you know, or, you know, you've got your favorite meat from or whatever? Uh, you know, venison is a staple. Um, that's kind of just my, my baseline nowadays. But uh, black bear, my gosh, that stuff tastes good. I, I didn't expect to like it. And it is complex. It's like it, it's in between a, a pork and a beef, I'd say. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, I've, I've talked to a, a bear hunter or two. That's, that's interesting. I would definitely be up to try it. Did you, was it like, uh, I feel like I've heard like you almost have to go low and slow on like bear before. Is that um, I mean, hard, fast rule, I guess, but. You know, I made a lot of sausage, uh, so <clears> that wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to speak to that there. Uh, I have some roasts that uh you know my summertime is finally here and just getting a little bit more time so i plan on doing some bear roasts uh which i'd probably go low and slow but no i i haven't found it to cook any different than beef honestly and it's got enough fat in it that it will it will uh caramelize and sear and you know you don't want to go medium rare or anything like that i definitely cook with a thermometer on on uh boar and bear but No, I wouldn't say there's anything really abnormal about it. Okay, cool. That's awesome. I'm, I love, I love venison and I love uh, sausage in general. So, I'm definitely, I'm definitely with you on both of those. That sounds, that sounds awesome. But um, so, let's see. Beyond that, um, is you know it's pretty pretty uh, universal that the backstrap is like, you know the best thing on a deer do you do you agree with that i mean yeah it's a it's a coveted piece for a reason yeah there's uh i think i'm this year gonna try to get into more fancier preparations like the the french presentation with the the ribs still in it oh nice um but no i i love every i actually have one thought out i'm gonna put it in the sous vide a little bit later this afternoon that's awesome man that sounds great (laughs) have you ever cooked with a sous vide no, I have not. I I thought they were ridiculous at first. I thought it was just another one cook contraption, or you know, one one use contraption to clutter up your kitchen. But it is, it's just such a versatile thing. You put the meat in the bag, you set it to the temperature. You can have it as rare as you want, but you know, because the temperature was reached, it's safe to consume. You don't have to worry about bacteria, and um, it changes the way that. I'm able to cook those rare backstraps and stuff like that. Huh. That's really cool. So it's like, uh, I'm not super familiar with it at all. It's, you, you put it in a bag and it. Oh yeah. So what it is, is it's like, um, it's kind of like a wand that you stick in a bucket of water. And so you can do this with a stock pot and mm-hmm. just fill up a stock pot three quarters of the way full. You take your piece of meat, you put it into a, uh, shrink wrap or, uh, a vacuum seal bag with some butter and, and salt and pepper. And then you turn on the sous vide cooker. And so what it does is it circulates the water through and it brings it up to a, whatever temperature you set it at for whatever amount of time you set it at. And it just keeps it steady. And so everything in that pot will be at the exact temperature that you want for, you know, four or six hours. And it just, uh, it takes, I found it to be easier to cook that way uh versus firing up the grill sometimes 
because you can you can kind of set it in a similar way that you're setting a, a crock pot before you go to work or something like that. And then you come home and it's perfectly cooked. And then you just heat up a pan, sear it on both sides, and you're you're 100 done. And you can you can make another bag for your vegetables and stuff like that. And yeah, everything comes out perfect temp. Crack open the bag; it's nice and steamy. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it is. I thought at first it was just uh, you know something ridiculous, but the more I use it, the more it just elevates everything you do. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Cool, man. Well, um, I've got just a couple more questions, and then uh, I'm I'm gonna get back to work. But uh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to to join me today. No, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, um, I was gonna ask you. Uh, I know you said you lived in Louisiana for a while. Um, have you ever cooked uh, crawfish? Oh yeah, <laughs> I think you uh, are forced to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love crawfish, man. Oh yeah, no we um, we are one of two sets of uh, Louisianans on our street, and so the the crawfish and crab boils are are very much alive here. We're keeping that flavor profile going. I like it. I like it, man. And then kind of along those lines, you know, since you spent spent time in Louisiana and then it kind of ties in with everything, um, you know, the uh, My Season Report does, it, it carries like, uh, does it carry fishing information and things like that? So I am just, so currently it has hunting uh, <laughs> that is county game, uh, game zone uh, specific across the lower 48 in Hawaii. I'm tackling Alaska this summer. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make that in there very location specific. And then um, it has across the lower 48. It has foraging. It has gardening. Uh, anything that you would you would readily grow in your home garden. And then fishing is being added. So it's a long way of uh, answering your question. But fishing, uh, you know, every aspect of this is kind of a different sets of experiments where I'm trying to see what people find very useful or what they don't don't like and fishing right. uh i've started with the coastal states because which you should go check out florida because uh i have freshwater which is pretty much just statewide and then gulf and then atlantic right. uh each three of those have their own separate rules and so um mm-hmm. you know I, I think florida is a really good showcase for the fishing uh again just trying to be able to pull that stuff up instantly and then if you're on a boat, you can just kind of check it out. Oh, I got this. Cool. Uh, can I keep it? No. Or I can only keep one. Oh, and that's my one for the year kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you know, kind of like you're saying, it seems like it's it kind of naturally fits, but you also have to see um, what the what the desire for that is or the demand for it. And coastal states, you know, places like Florida are, are probably going to be <laughs> higher on that list. So. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, obviously, with with what you have there, there is a ton of work, research, <laughs> com, you know, compiling all this stuff, and just a ton of work that you're putting into it. So, um, which I know it's a project product and it's for sale, but still, um, definitely, uh, thanks to you, respect to you for doing all that work <laughs> and putting it out there so that people can. Uh, you can take advantage of it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, just just give it a try. And it's a two-week free trial. And you can quickly get a sense if it's going to help you out. And there's 
several iterations on the way currently in development. It's an ever changing or it's an ever evolving project. And um, I think it's just getting more and more useful to help you find, obtain and produce fantastic meals with really good ingredients. Awesome. Well, thanks again for, uh, for taking some time and uh, I've enjoyed learning more about it and more about, uh, you know, kind of your, your journey in hunting. So I appreciate it. And, uh, we'll have to talk again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. All right. I will cut the, uh, recording right there, man. Sounds good, man. Cool. Well, I uh, appreciate you, uh, working with the schedule and everything and, Oh, no worries. I, I had the same thing on my end, so it was uh, chaotic on both sides. Yep, yep. And I think you've been on with uh, Kent Boucher of First Gen Hunter? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. And then um, the one that we messaged about, the uh, the bear archery uh, guy. Yeah, yeah, Dylan. Dylan's a great guy. I really like him. Yeah. You know, uh, I've been on Harvesting Nature uh there's a backcountry hunters uh one recorded a few other like outdoor cooking so i'm making the circuit i really appreciate it yeah yeah i'm probably i would dare say i am the smallest of any of those you named but i'm still on and happy no man no i don't think it's about i think it's about uh you know the the values you're putting out there and I'm a firm believer that like values create value. And uh, yeah, I, I love talking to people who are, are doing yeoman's work and doing the real thing. Cool, man. Well, I totally agree and uh, really appreciate it. And awesome. uh, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to work, so I'll let you go. But uh, Sounds I'm good. Do you have a time frame in mind? I mean, I'm in no rush. I'm just yeah. thinking forward. Yeah, um, I will actually probably have this one ready by Monday. Okay, cool. I, I, I do not smile on monday morning monday mornings and so um this one won't take too much editing we haven't had any big technical difficulties which i certainly have had before but uh <laughs> this one's gone pretty smooth. So that's good um so I'll... if you want me to use a picture Yeah, I'll email you one. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll send you one uh, later today. Like I said, it'll be Monday morning, so no rush on that. But cool. Should be good on Monday, man. All right, thank you. You have a good weekend. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. You too. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for listening today to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. Um, whether you've been hunting for 40 years um, or you're thinking about going this season for the first time, the thing that ties us all together is that we want to be hunting. We're thinking about it today uh, at work or heading home or doing other things. That's why we're listening to hunting podcasts like this one. So that's where we come from. We appreciate you tuning in and uh, joining in with us. Our goal at the Wannabe Hunting Podcast is to be the family-friendly hunting podcast. Um, There's a lot of podcasts out there and a lot of good information, so we want to bring that information in a good uh, family-friendly way and uh, just enjoy uh, the conversations that come our way and have been 
so blessed to have some great guests on, uh, many great guests on, and appreciate them, appreciate the timing and the scheduling work that uh, folks have done in order to come on with me, so uh, it really is a lot of fun and a uh, great learning opportunity for me and everyone listening, so uh, we've enjoyed it. I just want to say thank you again to Chris for coming on. Uh, great information. He's done a lot of work on this and uh, put in a lot of effort to uh, to compile a lot of information. So it's very cool that uh, <clears throat> that's available to help help hunters out there. So thank you again for listening today. Thank you again to Anabolic Grove for uh, sponsoring the episode. And uh, we appreciate everybody. Hope you're having a good uh, summer and hope you're getting food plots in, all that good stuff. And uh, hope you're... Uh, practicing with the bow, uh, doing whatever you got to do to get ready for the fall. So we're all looking forward to it. So hope everyone has a great week. We appreciate you once again, as always, honor God, work hard, have fun, and keep hunting.